Gosh, you're really holding me back now, Mark. I'm sorry that I'm an impedance to your progress. You hold me up a whole five seconds after you held after I held you up probably like close to ten minutes. Well, yeah, but also in a roundabout way, we held each other up for twenty minutes <laughs> earlier. So, <laughs> no, that's called a break. No, no, no. Before that. Oh. Yeah, that's well, we true. Could, well, we couldn't figure out how to be in the same digital meeting room. Mark, <laughs> this is one of the things, like, it's easier to pretend you're stupid and just accept that technology's difficult, woot woot, rather than be like, oh no, we held each other up. Okay. Just blame the technology, Mark. It's an easy scapegoat. I suppose. I can't fight back yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to hear that you said that, Grant. I'm trying to appease it. Oh, you're trying to appease the technology? Yep. See, I'm playing I'm my to... cards. I'm I'm millennial, so I try to fight back over our oppressive uh, overlords. So. Yeah. You know, by eating I'm avocado here. toast and going rock climbing. Yeah, that's all I do. And that's why I'm never going to afford a mortgage, because I spend all my salary on avocado toast. Anyway, I don't want to get bogged down in these weeds. (laughs) Please don't make me. (laughs) I don't really want to either, so let's keep moving. I had a real question to ask. (laughs) Really? Yeah, so I'm going to D.C. this weekend. Uh-huh. And I'm just curious what your experience is traveling alone. Because I have never traveled and not had an immediate way to, like, once I'm at the airport, I've always had a way to get to where I'm going that I have some some control over. In other Wait. words, I have no experience using Uber by myself. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I'm... I was, like, so confused. I was like, what do you mean a way to where you're going? Isn't that like, called an airplane? Like, whenever I'm flying back to San Diego, my car is at the airport. And yeah. if I'm flying into Minneapolis, I have someone to pick me up. Okay. So, for Uber, um, I would go to baggage claim and then go out to one of the doors. And then, at most major airports, when you order an Uber from, like, the baggage claim type area... It when you order it, it pops up with options of like, please select what door you're at or whatever. Mm. And so you select like whatever level you're on and then the door you're near. And then it sends that info to your Uber driver so they know where to come meet you. Sure. Um, I'm going to preface this with just be prepared. Lots of Uber drivers that wait at airports end up going the wrong way at first. Mm-hmm. Because I've had this, of the three times I've done this, it's happened to me twice. Where they've gone to the drop-off area rather than the pickup area. Oh. Which, I'm not an Uber driver, so I'm going to try not to harp on them for it, but like... (laughs) You'd think you'd figure it out by now. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's kind of self-explanatory because people don't typically get picked up at... (laughs) At departures. Yeah, but... Maybe it happens sometimes. Or maybe just traffic's bad and you can't get over to the, like, baggage claim lanes or something. Mm-hmm. But 
even when it's at small airports, it seems to happen. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just like I've had very little experience with Uber. Uh, the one Mark. time that I was in DC before, it was a very mixed experience. Ooh. Mostly because it was very cold out. All of our phones were dead except for Aaron's. Mm-hmm. And so it was entirely on her to get the Uber. Oh, no. And, when the Uber's uh, on one person, it always goes badly. <laughs> and we were out behind the Lincoln Memorial. And uh, the guy couldn't figure out how to get to us. Because yeah. every time he would cross over the bridge that was by us, it forced you in one direction. Uh, and like he just couldn't figure out how to get to us but we were like like it was cold out and -hmm. we were unprepared for that and unwilling to go walk somewhere because we were way too cold so that was just a whole thing and it always just makes me a little nervous yeah i don't know i'm gonna admit i don't have a ton of uber experience um but in my experience most uber drivers are pretty good i haven't yeah. had i've only had like one kind of not great uber experience so i don't know if that helps calm you at all yeah. but i mean i'm not like completely you know beside myself with worry it's just like it's the biggest new travel experience and and i'll be like i'll just be completely by myself for the first uh chunk of time because i get there before anybody else does yeah so it'll just be a whole thing but yeah this it's gonna be a interesting trip because i need to figure out if i'm only gonna try and pack in a backpack and nothing else because i have to spend potentially a significant amount of time without a place to be (laughs) oh really yeah, I mean, it'll be a bit better because due to how my Airbnbs got set up, um, I'll actually get to go to the one um, on Sunday that I'm going to be at alone. I They have something going on in the afternoon that they messaged me about, so I'm actually going to go there in the morning, which will be nice. Hmm. But I know at least for the first, like, for a big chunk of Friday, there'll be some time between, like when we're all there and when we can actually go to our Airbnb and check in. Yeah. Just due to the timing of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be roaming around with a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So I'm just trying to sort it all out. It's the most like, despite technically it having been in the works for months and months, it seems to be one of the most ill, ill-planned trips I've ever been on. <laughs> Honestly... I love ill pan- ill planned trips because I think that they offer a lot of like fun and opportunity for kind of just spontaneous, slightly stupid ideas that turn out to be really fun. I I agree, but it depends on the situation. Like I don't mind doing that with like a road trip because I have much more control over the situation. Surrender control, But when Mark. it's like I'm flying into a place and I will have a backpack on me and nothing else in a city that I am very unfamiliar with, mm-hmm. uh, it's just very weird. I, I'll give you that it's very weird. I think 
I completely agree with that, and I think that's a total normal kind of experience of the situation. But, Mark, I know you, and I know that, like, you can handle weird, and I know that you can be comfortable with weird if you tell yourself that you're okay with it. Yeah. It's just, travel has always been, like, the one thing that I just didn't grow up doing very much. Yeah. So it's definitely the thing that I am... One of the, one of the things that I'm least comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. Like this will be the first yeah. time that I've ever had to have a connecting flight. <laughs> Ooh, where are you connecting in? Minneapolis. <laughs> what up, Minnesota? Woo, woo, woo. So, like, at least I know the airport pretty well. Yeah, but still, it's just the first. You know, it's the first time I'll have a connecting flight. I have to be working on the airplane the entire time. Yeah, that'll uh, be rough. Yeah. And so it'll just be... I don't envy you. It'll be a thing. I'm looking forward to it, obviously, but it'll be interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the other thing. Monday, I'm going to be alone for the entire day. (laughs) In D.C. or... Ooh. Yep. Until my flight at four or whenever it is. When when do other people fly out? Do they all fly out Sunday or yeah kind of Sunday? Monday? Oh, really? So you have like Sunday night and Monday morning. Yeah. Ooh, you should. I don't know. This is really lame advice, but like you should find something <laughs> random to do on your own. Well, I mean, there's not going to be like I'm going to be exploring the like the capital area. That's the whole okay. plan. Yeah. Is a lot of Saturday is going to the math festival, mm-hmm. and then between Sunday and Monday, trying to do as much other stuff that I didn't get to do the first time I went there as I can. So, yeah, yeah. that'll be fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. It'll be nice to have a trip like that. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just been like a whole thing, you know. So mm-hmm. like. Obviously, not everybody who I wanted to be able to go was able to come. Uh, you notwithstanding, Me. everybody else that couldn't. Woot, woot. And then I fit the list of people who he wanted to come and didn't come. And then Jack had to cancel. No, really? Yeah, he canceled a couple of weeks ago. Aww. Because of work issues. What a nerd! Hashtag nerd. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, wasn't high on his list to have to do that, but, you know, had to happen. Oh, so there's yeah, three sure. of us now. He's a total narc and a total nerd, so I bet he, like, had been planning on it weeks in advance. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I don't know, Mark. I don't know. He paid a share of the Airbnb, so that's nice of him. Oh, wait, he still did? Well, because I had already, I booked it. <laughs> Yeah. And then, like, a week and a half later, he had to cancel. Oh. So he wasn't going to, like, you know, make everybody pay, you know, 20% more or whatever. That sucks because, like, it's good for you, but I'm really trying to find a way to, like, insult him based on that because <laughs> that's the whole goal of this podcast episode. <sighs> um, He's never going to hear this. <laughs> I know, but, like... <laughs> It's really hard because that's like a really like stand up guy thing to do because it's like you committed to something and he's following through on it, which uh-huh. is probably why I respect him a lot. But also like, 
I'm going to continue to try to insult him this entire episode because that's just what's going on today. Nobody has any context as to why. (laughs) But that's what's fun, Mark. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because no one listens anyway. I mean, our, like, thousand listeners listen, but, like, they're in on all our inside jokes because they follow us on all social media. So, like, they get it. (laughs) Oh, of course. I I forgot uh, that we... (laughs) Let everybody in on our jokes in our very active Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, like we're so active on Twitter. If you're not following us, you're really missing out. Like half of Comical Start happens on Twitter, guys. So follow us at Comical Start on Twitter. <laughs> Honestly, I'd rather have emails and Twitter followers. I have all notifications turned off on Twitter. So if anybody okay. ever did anything, I wouldn't get it. <laughs> That's fine. Is it comicalstart at gmail.com? It sure is. Hit us up there, because that's where the real party's happening. <laughs> it is. Email is the future. Yes, it is. It is, is the past, Even the present, though... and the future. <laughs> it's so true. If someone actually emails us, I know that I'll get a text from Mark like within a couple minutes of the email happening. So. Yep, and then you'll up. read that text the next day. Okay, I'll probably read it the same day and just ignore it till the next day, to be honest. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. <laughs> okay. That was a solid intro, Mark. Thanks. <laughs> I believe you are... F- your comic is first, right? Mm-hmm. Ooh, classic. So for this week, Mark chose a Calvin and Hobbes comic by Bill Watterson. So the comic opens up with Calvin's dad saying to him, Calvin, your mother and I have decided to give you an allowance. It's important that one learns the value of money. The scene cuts to Calvin. Money. Ha 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 I'm rich. I'm rich. I can buy off anyone. The world is mine. As Calvin's dad replies, I blew it again, dear. While Kelvin Kelvin in the background says, Power, friends, prestige, I can buy it all. I'm free. (laughs) That was quite the vocal performance, Grant. I think it was. I am pretty proud of that. I (laughs) am kind of a big deal in terms of vocal performance now. I took some improv classes so <laughs> that's a lie but that's we're gonna hard, say i did that doesn't even apply <laughs> if you took improv courses and it worked you would be funny not a good speaker okay mark screw you <laughs> <laughs> see how i did that <laughs> but you just i think you just implied that i'm a good speaker i'm gonna take that as a compliment because i'm gonna see the best things in life because I'm growing. This is how I play to every audience. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you mean by that, we'll, but we'll roll with it. Uh, so, my question for you, Grant. Okay. How has the amount of money that you view as a lot of money changed over the past, let's say, five years? Wow. <laughs> That's a real solid question. Also, the five years time span, I feel like, is that It's definitive? very purposeful. 
Is it per- purposeful in that it encompasses high school? Uh, no, it purposefully does not include high school. Oh. But I was in high school five okay, years ago. Approximately five years. <laughs> okay, but you said five years, and so, like, I'm trying to do okay, the math. But I didn't want to do, like, I wouldn't want to be, like, four years and nine months. <laughs> well, you just said it, so you might as well have started from the beginning. Just yeah, but it saying. took me a second to get there. <laughs> Anywhere. Anywhere. Anyway. <laughs> wow, words are hard tonight, Mark. <laughs> It's almost like I've been talking a lot this evening. Huh, weird. Let's just keep going. <laughs> um, I don't know. How has... Okay, no, I do know. The concept of money has changed a lot for me in the past... We'll go with five years, but in reality, it's mostly like 18 months that the concept has changed because... For the past, like, when I entered college, the concept was fairly stagnant until kind of six months within graduation. And then once I graduated, I don't know, I guess once I graduated, the concept stayed the same for a while because I spent some time where I was just, like, just chilling after college because... That's what I needed after I graduated was a couple months free from responsibility. And thankfully, my situation at life in, in life allowed that. Um, kind of allowed me to move back home and not really worry about money for a couple months. But once I got a real job, the concept of money changed real fast. And I'm, I'm kind of guessing that's been somewhat of your experience too but like going from making negative x thousand dollars a year to making x thousand dollars a year has been a real transition for me at least um yeah i I don't know for me the weird thing has been the abstraction of the things that take the most of my money. So the biggest thing being student loans. Yep. This just being like, there is this thing that never seems to change that I have to just keep pouring money into for at least 10 years Mm -hmm. until it is decided that it is gone. Yeah. It just happens to you regardless of really what you do to it. Yeah, and so that's that's like the weirdest thing. It's like day to day I can keep track of money and like have a good direct line of like, ooh, I make this money. And once a month I use this money to make sure that I can sleep. And <laughs> weekly mm-hmm. I use it to feed myself and all that sort of stuff. But loans are like, like the value means nothing to me. And if that value means nothing to me, any other large values, like when people start talking about budgets and stuff of like on a governmental level, like mm-hmm. makes zero sense. Yes. You know, like, yeah, that that's just kind of the weirdest thing is just how quickly once you start getting into thousands upon thousands of dollars, it's mm-hmm. almost meaningless. Like the amount of money that I make in a year, it's not obviously not like some crazy amount. It's a, you know, relatively modest amount, especially for this area. Uh, but even that, like, 
I don't really comprehend it. It's still just sort of a number that interacts yeah. with a spreadsheet that I have that determines that I can, in fact, afford to live here. Yep. And it was... It feels like they're just numbers on a page rather than tangible dollar amounts that affect your daily life. Yeah, and especially, I think that's being salaried makes that even more abstract. Like when you're, 100%, yeah. Yeah, when you're working, like, wage, like I did for all of college, obviously, like... You, like I was doing the same job or a similar job working for the same company for a year but that entire time I was a contract worker working hourly I would submit timesheets and I would be like I am sitting down to do two hours of work and this two hours of work corresponds to x amount of dollars mm-hmm. and it's like yeah I could do the same calculation at work but it doesn't matter because I have to be there anyway <laughs> yeah so Whether just, I'm there for seven hours or ten hours a day, I make the same money. Yeah. I mean, theoretically. If, you, if you're there for seven hours a day every day, someone might start to notice, but... Yeah, and you might start to make zero money because yeah, exactly. like, you no longer have a job, yeah, but... That's the weirdest thing about being salaried. It's like the, the drop-off <laughs> is is enormous and the and the gain is zero. It's from It's from <laughs> thousands to zero. And then no, yeah, no room to increase except for once a year, if you're lucky, if you're in a company that does that. And the room to increase is like possible once a year and at that kind of marginal, I don't know, depending on your company. Yeah, exactly. That's super weird, man. Oh, gosh. Because, I mean, I remember, I mean, I mean, I don't even know, like. Obviously, when I was younger, $20 was a big deal. Yeah. Even today, $20 is still a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) I think, Mark, I think we're in a weird place in our lives where we still, like, very, I don't want to say tangibly, but, like, in a visceral way, remember the time when $20 was a big deal in our lives, but yet, like, we make more than $20 a day. Yeah, yeah far more (laughs) hopefully yeah yeah it is just like but that but that is the thing i'm not even sure if it's the like memory it's still just like partially because i mean i know i live in an expensive area and just due to the nature of everything like i'm not saving a significant amount of money nope uh and so like 20 bucks it's like all right, I get like a nice dinner or two. Yeah, <laughs> money's a weird concept because it's all relative. It's like I don't know. I feel like maybe it's just a natural thing, but you always you always want more, obviously, mm-hmm. and you always feel like you're like getting by. But in reality, I feel like you at times can get by on what on like the amount that you're making until i don't know that was not a useful thought well i think that it's definitely true that a lot of people think that oh if i just made x amount more money everything would be fine yeah and then things start scaling up from there because there's always another expense that you can choose to add yeah it's like oh if i made $40 more per month, I would be, like, I would feel much better, like, like, right now I'm making it through, and I can keep this habit, and then I can put 40, 40 more dollars a month in savings or whatever, like, that's great, 
or four dollars a month towards blah but then it's like then you're getting forty dollars more a month and if you're not particularly you know uh on top of things and all of a sudden it's like oh that means that i can afford to subscribe back to netflix and yeah it's like, like i can watch stuff. netflix and hbo and they're like oh my money's gone yeah exactly so yeah, yeah it is just it's super and, and, and i mean the the thing is like i do feel that like my job here has scaled with the additional expenses that i have almost directly Mm-hmm. Like when I think of like, oh, I'm living in a you know in a certain area, so rent is more expensive than it was last year, um, and also I have to pay for student loans and a car, mm-hmm. uh, and then also I'm paying for like traveling and stuff, which technically I don't have to do, but you know, like that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah. But I do feel like things kind of scaled with that. So mm-hmm. the other weird thing. I don't know if this has been your experience, but I have a Discover credit card, and they'll just give me credit limit increases somewhat arbitrarily. Oh. So, like, for a while, I have been at a credit limit that is significantly above my monthly sal- my monthly income. Yep. And they just upped it, <laughs> like, a week ago. Oh! To... Uh, uh, 30% more than it already was. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Like, where is this coming from? Like, it makes no sense. I don't, like... So that you can more easily bankrupt yourself in a, in a single month of poor decisions. I mean, like, they increased my credit limit. It was probably, like, a year into having the card, so sometime junior year of college. And I've never gone over that limit that I had at that point, yet they just keep increasing it. Yeah. So that's another weird thing is just like, like I can imagine, I can imagine how tempting it is for some people, like how brutal credit cards are for some people. And that's why uh, they're so dangerous. Cause like yeah. it's, it's such an easy, simple line of credit that can have such dire consequences. Mm-hmm. Cause lots of, lots of major lines of credit are they feel like they have so much kind of formality, such as like getting a mortgage or something. There's so much behind it, you know, where it feels like a lot to get it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like credit cards is just like you sign up in the mail or you sign up at Kohl's or JCPenney or something. And all of a sudden, like you have this other major line of credit where you could probably bankrupt yourself just as much if you really tried. Yeah. And I don't know. It's a tricky deal, you know. You gotta, gotta be careful, bro. More scary adult things. Uh, that's I my mean, reaction to scary. Gr- granted, adult it's things. even easier to get yourself with student loans. <laughs> true. <laughs> Very true. That, that has a much stronger effect on me than my credit card does. <laughs> Yeah, that that is true. Uh, man. Loans. So much. I feel bad for my little sister. She's way more screwed than I am. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like it just keeps getting worse year after year. Yep, regardless numbers of, agree. Regardless of what you do and what you want to go into, 
Yeah. All right, let's move on. Does your <laughs> I didn't mean to bring us down this. <laughs> We're going down a sad rabbit hole here. Let's see yeah. if we can come back out of it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to bring us back out of it. I'm sorry. I don't think. That's okay. Uh, as long as it's not as directly sad as... Okay, Grant's comic is Computune by Charles Boyce. And we have what appears to be a mostly normal living room, except there is a pedestal with a carpet on it uh, and a throne sitting on top of it. And there is a woman pointing at the throne and uh, saying to a man in the room, some people can handle power and some can't. All right, Grant. You have no idea where I'm taking this right now, do you? I mean, no, not really. Mark, what do you think is one of the strongest aspects of yourself what do you think is one of the things that gives you the most power in your life one of the one of the parts of yourself i'm sorry if this is a big question if you want some time to think about it i can try to stall for a bit for you no i i mean my my immediate answer to these sorts of questions Oh, you give me a basic answer here. I'm expecting it. I think that I have pretty strong self-awareness. Okay. Like, I think that I have a pretty good pulse on who I am and how I act. And that if I diverge from the way that I want to act, I can pretty quickly identify that and kind of correct course. Um, so I don't know. I like that. That's sort of what I, I, I have always thought of and like pride myself on working on is being aware of myself in a very, um, mm-hmm. direct way. Is that the basic answer you were expecting, Grant? Honestly, I was expecting for you to have a less good answer and me to like buy you time to get to that answer. So... Honestly, I'm kind of, I don't know, impressed or proud of you for, like, getting to the sense of self-awareness so quickly. Because when I was choosing this comic, I was kind of thinking about, like, the things that are really valuable for me in my life. And I was thinking, personally, my sense of self-awareness is really important to me and I think has gotten me a really long way further than I would have without it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really interesting that as good friends, question mark, we both kind of come up with the same answer of that our self-awareness is something that's really important to us. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, and that's like, I I don't think that I'm, f- that I make good friends with people who aren't self-aware. I think that's kind of the crux of it is like we have a good group of people who are aware of how they act and respond to people um, discussing how they act with them. And the people who have proven not to sort of stay in the group that we have are the people who 
um, aren't willing to look at themselves and like be called out. Like I've been called out by our friends for, and other people in my life for saying dumb stuff. And I don't necessarily respond to me perfectly every single time <laughs> when that happens. Cause you know, I'm human. I'll like yeah. get defensive like anybody else, but that's how life works. Yeah. But I have the capacity to then sit down and sort of wrestle with that and figure out like, how can I make steps to do better? Mm-hmm. So, and, and so I think that it's like, it's a quality that I seek out in other people that I like to hang out with because it's really frustrating to, uh, uh, be with someone who like views themselves as being very static and really avoids change yes. or looking within themselves for like oh my gosh yes you know, why they do stuff wow i i'm sorry i'm kind of like i try during this podcast to not have like mind-blown moments because i feel like it's really it's really hard for listeners to empathize with them at times but when you said um people who are really static it kind of hit me in that i it's not something that i the concept of static people isn't something that i frequently think about because I feel like a lot of us tend to think about things that are similar to us. And I don't view myself as a static person, but static people are, it's a concept or a, I don't know, a concept or a group of people that really frustrate me. And I have a really hard time with it. And I, I don't know, it's something that I I don't think about much just because it's it's not something that I identify with. And mm-hmm. so people who are really static, I have a hard, really hard time dealing with them in terms of social interaction and whatnot. I think largely because I, I work really hard in my daily life to be adaptable and to kind of be open to new and novel situations. And so when there's someone who's just like really static and they're set in their ways I sometimes just kind of reject that outright purely because I, on a philosophical level, I don't view it as a great way to go through life. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Wow. That and was for a me, real like, rant out of nowhere. And I, but this is where I'm starting to get into trouble. It's like when I said static, I think you and I both are thinking of the same thing, but I think it's very hard to verbalize precisely what that might mean if someone else some other listener is like what do you mean like everybody changes mm-hmm. you know but I, like are we like, gonna well, try to tackle the concept of static people right now i think so because i think that that's important let's go i think we can do it i believe in us mark yeah so so like when i was when i'm thinking about it like especially in terms of self-awareness like a static person is someone who regardless of how they're actually changing or how they how the world changes around them views themselves as the same person and tries to remain the same person mm-hmm. and, and i think another function of that is the idea of like something that i that i have read more frequently and i'm happy that i see it more because it's a very good sentiment to have is the idea of that would recognizing that we try to treat ourselves as 
like we try to treat ourselves as someone who's still figuring stuff out and we like to treat others as complete people mm-hmm. and i think that that's like i think a lot of people who like i would view as static are people who have that viewpoint of like they don't view themselves as static but they don't give any breaks to anybody else yes. as well yes 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 i I really resonate with that idea, but I also think that a lot of people who view that who who I would view as static they don't view them like they view themselves as more complete people than we view ourselves if that makes sense yeah um because like in in the past couple of years in particular there's been a number of people that I've encountered that I've seen as like wow they're a really static person they have they have their set of views and they really deeply believe it in them and regardless of what i say i'm not going to change these views Mm -hmm. and a lot of them have been more in a stage of their life where i think they I'm and I'm just assuming this. Maybe they view themselves as very dynamic people, but I kind of feel that they think that they figured everything out and that they think that they know what's going on in the world and they've solved all the problems and what's really happening is just they need to convince all the idiots that they have the right answers. Hmm. I don't know. I have a couple examples in my life that are, I'm sure, very <laughs> skewing my average. Yeah. But what do you think about that? Well, I, I actually think that that's a really good point. The idea of the need to convince other people that, yeah, that you are the complete person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I can get where that feeling comes from. Like, it's a very, like... It's like, it's an addictive feeling to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's very natural, and I think you said it completely right. It's very addictive. Yeah. And and I think that, like, that's probably a common theme among the, say, the worst teachers that you encounter. Mm Mm-hmm. The ones who don't display good overall scholarship, demonstrating that, like, you can have, uh you can struggle with something like that's something I do a lot and I've tried to become much better at when I'm responding to kids on our message board at work Mm -hmm. is demonstrating that like there are problems that these kids are working on that like I don't know the answer right away like I'll read the solution and be like a bit confused so I'll go and explore to try and answer their question as best I can and I will try to write down that process for them Mm -hmm. like I think that it's more helpful for them to see that I did, you know, 15 minutes of poking around on the internet and reading things, and this is what I determined, mm-hmm. than responding with two sentences with the answer to their question and no further comment. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh. Mark. Hmm. This is why I feel like you're a good educator, is because... 
you find value in the admitting that you're not the expert. I've tried to become better at that. <laughs> There's definitely a time in my life where I sucked at that. <laughs> oh, definitely. I feel like all like wasn't too long ago <laughs> academic people, especially in our stage in the like young twenty somethings of their life, where you get really caught up to caught up in like the I can explain everything mm-hmm. but one of the things that I love about you Mark is that you've been very I'm sure there's been struggle in it but to from my perspective it's been a very natural transition to I can see the struggle in things and I understand it and I accept that there is struggle in understanding difficult concepts and i'm okay like i'm confident enough in myself and my understanding of difficult concepts that i'm okay admitting when something is difficult to me that i can express that to those who are asking questions Mm. and i think that's especially to especially to people who are reaching somewhat advanced levels of any any topic or any subject. I think that's a really valuable thing for them to be able to see from someone who is teaching them things. Mm. Because for me personally, I had some professors who they were just experts, period. And they were experts. And whatever they said was gospel and... There was no questioning. There was no, that's a good question. I don't know. Let me look that up. But I also had professors who were very much of, that's a really good question. I have no idea what you're asking about. Give me a day and I'll give 15 minutes of my next lecture to that topic because I think you have a valuable question and I'm okay admitting that I don't know everything because I think that's a really valuable portion of the academic process is the admission that you don't know everything, but that I think what's really valuable is that you've developed the tools to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was something that I like senior year was very formative for that working with my thesis advisor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, like, he had his PhD in mathematical physics. He knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I still don't know if he was just, like, uh, really good at asking questions in a certain way that made me think that he literally didn't know the answer. Yeah. Or if he didn't know the answer. Like, I still can't tell, but he would ask me questions about, like, oh, like, why is this something? And he would ask in, like, this extremely sincere way, forcing me to answer, like, oh, because, like, you know, this is like the formula for total energy. It's kinetic plus potential. And like, he'd like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like, I still just like, couldn't get a read on how like <laughs> what, what his actual thought was, but like, that was something that totally, uh, I'm not going to say rubbed off on me, but like sticks with me and something that I aspire to get better at is like the mm-hmm. casual curiosity of like figuring out when you're working with someone. I mean, it doesn't happen as much because I work online with students, but trying to gauge when you can feign ignorance yeah and they will respond to that and gauging when you need to give them a bit of a nudge but explain like you know how am i giving you this nudge like why do i have the ability to give you this nudge in this direction yeah that i don't think is seen oh 
Yes. That nudges something that's sort of like, I really know what's going on, but like, I'm going to ask you this kind of silly question and give you the opportunity to kind of excel and demonstrate your knowledges. It's a type of kind of nudge in science that I think is really important. Mm -hmm. And it really empowers students to kind of reach that next step from being the student to being able to show the mastery of being able to teach a subject and being able to kind of add to that next step in the scientific understanding. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, that was good. That wasn't so that wasn't very negative at all. <laughs> no, that was really fun. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> I really don't want this episode to end because I'm so excited about it, but like I know what time we're at. Yep. It'll be okay. 